Chapter forty four of the Convict by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty four. They first paused at the park gates, Edgar Adelon and Captain M, and asked in a quiet, easy tone if Mr. Filmer had lately passed. The answer, as the reader may anticipate, was no, and separating, they rode round the whole extent of the wide space enclosed within the walls of Brandon Park not less than four or five square miles inquiring of every person whom they met and at every cottage which they passed but without receiving any intelligence whatever after having made this circuit they rode down to clive grange where edgar was received with the greatest joy by all the servants but no information was afforded till one of the maid-servants recollected having heard the ploughman say that he thought he had seen father peter walking over the downs towards barhampton edgar impetuous as usual was for setting out immediately but captain m stopped to investigate the statement and inquired when this vision was seen that the maid could not tell but informed him that the man had mentioned the fact when he came home to dinner adding however that he had returned to his work finding that the spot where he was employed lay considerably out of the way the two gentlemen set off again taking the cottage of daniel connor as they went but the door was locked and nobody within at barhampton their inquiries were equally vain though every quarter was applied to where it was supposed that anything like information could be obtained and after a fruitless search of nearly an hour they turned their horses heads back towards brandon conversing on what it might be expedient to do next by this time however the indications of an approaching storm were visible in the sky large clouds not decked with fleecy fringes of the soft spring but hard defined and of a bluish black were rising rapidly in the south and as edgar and his friend gazed over the wide scene which presented itself to the eye from the slope just out of the gates of barhampton a curious purple light spread over the whole giving to field and hill and tree those intense hues which are more frequently seen in southern lands does that not put you in mind of australia asked captain m as they rode on in some degree replied edgar but we shall have a fierce storm soon or i am much mistaken we had better leave the downs on the right and cross the river by clive grange again it will save us a mile the plan he proposed was followed but long before they reached the stream the storm which was advancing as if to meet them broke full upon their heads the lightning flashed and the thunder roared but they suffered most from the rain which poured down in torrents mingled with enormous hailstones on came the tempest sweeping over the land so lately bright and sunny putting out every gleam of light and involving all in a dark mist only marked by the black lines of the descending hail the two horsemen urged their horses on at a rapid trot taking the road past mead's farm and along the brow of the hill overhanging the river to reach the bridge near mr clive's house and they remarked as they rode along that the waters below usually so limpid and bright were now turbid and red whirling in rapid eddies near the banks but rushing on in foam and confusion in the midst of the course why this is quite a torrent said captain m as they proceeded when we passed this morning it was nothing but a clear trout stream 
"'It is sometimes very furious when there is much rain in the hills,' replied Edgar. "'I remember it carrying away a mill some way higher up. "'Miller, Miller's man, and Miller's wife all went floating down together in their crazy dwelling. "'And yet, strange to say, no one was drowned.' "'See, there is Mr. Clive and his daughter coming down the opposite slope,' said the young officer. "'Good heaven! Helen will be drenched in this deluge!' exclaimed Edgar. And he was spurring on his horse to a still faster pace, when an event occurred which for an instant seemed to turn him to stone. Helen and her father reached the bottom of the slope, and had already advanced about two-thirds of the way across the bridge, round the old piers of which the red torrent was beating angrily when suddenly the part just before them gave way and fell in a large mass into the river clive caught his daughter's arm and was hurrying back but the next instant the part beneath their feet cracked leaned over to the side fell and with those whom it had supported the moment before was plunged into the struggling waters for an instant as i have said the sight of her he loved so enthusiastically likely to perish before his sight seemed to turn edgar adelon into stone but it was only for an instant and springing from his horse with one bound he was down the bank and into the midst of the torrent he caught sight of helen's dress as she rose again amidst the waters and struck out strongly towards her battling successfully with the fierce rage of the current till it brought her down to where he was his first grasp missed her but his second caught her by the arm, and lifting her head above the stream, he struck back for the shore, holding her far from him, lest, in the terror and agitation of the moment, she should deprive him of the means of saving her. But Helen, with wonderful presence of mind, did not attempt to touch him. The bed of the river, as it has been before described, was narrow, and the current had luckily drifted her towards the side of Clive Grange. Thus a few strong strokes brought Edgar to the bank, which was there not very steep, and without much difficulty he lifted her out and had the joy of holding her in his arms alive. During the whole of the last events Edgar had remarked nothing that was passing near him. He saw Helen, and Helen only. He thought of nothing but Helen. But the moment after she was safe upon the shore his thoughts turned to her father, and he looked eagerly around. With deep satisfaction, however, he perceived at a little distance Captain M helping the old man up the bank, and he discovered afterwards that his friend had plunged in at the same moment as himself, but that finding Helen's father was a good swimmer and was striking for the shore, he merely kept near him till he perceived that, when just near the bank, Clive began to sink. Helen was weak and faint, but she found strength to hurry to her father's arms as he sat upon the turf, supported by Captain M, and all her first feelings were joy and satisfaction when she saw that he was still alive. He did not answer her when she spoke, however, but pressed his hand tight upon his side, seeming to breathe with difficulty. The next instant Helen perceived the blood trickling through his fingers, and clasping her hands together she exclaimed, "'Oh, Edgar, he is hurt! He is very much hurt!' "'A little!' a little dear girl said clive with a great effort i shall soon be better but it might be as well to send up to the grange for some people to carry me up i am too weak to walk thank god you are safe my dear child it was that heavy beam struck me as we fell edgar sprang away towards the house and returned in a very short time with some men carrying a sofa 
on which the large powerful frame of mr clive was speedily laid and he was conveyed to the grange and put to bed it was then found that there was a deep lacerated wound on the left side of the chest and an indentation which seemed to show that several of the ribs had been broken a man was immediately sent to bring the nearest surgeon and edgar was watching anxiously with helen by the bedside of the injured man while the lightning still continued to flash through the room and the thunder to roll overhead when one of the maids put her head into the room saying oh mr adelon here is one of your servants wishes to speak with you the woman's face expressed terror and agitation and edgar starting up demanded what was the matter why he says sir that brandon has caught fire with the lightning replied the woman and they wish you to come up directly edgar turned to look at clive who said at once as if in reply go edgar go take the stone bridge higher up yet one word my dear boy before you depart edgar approached close to the bedside and bent down his head perhaps we may never meet again said clive with a good deal of agitation in his voice my helen edgar what will become of my helen if i am taken from her edgar took his hand and pressed it warmly eda will be a sister to her he said and i will be her husband till then a brother go said clive go god's will be done i am sure i may trust you edgar on my honour on my life by everything i hold dear answered edgar and with one parting caress to helen he hurried away captain m was waiting for him below with the servant who was beginning to pour forth the tale of the disaster at brandon when edgar cut him short by eagerly demanding where are the horses they are here in the court answered captain m yours led the way and mine followed this is indeed a day of disasters but i do hope that no great injury has been done at brandon for this rain must have kept down the fire it was blazing away sir like a hundred lime pits when i was sent off to seek you replied the servant following them to the courtyard were all safe demanded edgar eagerly but the man could give him no satisfactory account of the inmates merely telling him that the lightning had struck the older part of the building towards the back and that the flames had instantly spread from room to room with the utmost rapidity and fury as the horses had not been unsaddled no time was lost and riding up the stream to a stone bridge about half a mile higher on its course they soon reached the gates of brandon park the lodge was empty the gates were open and dashing between the trees of the avenue so as to reach the open space whence the house was first visible edgar strained his eyes forward to see whether the fire was still going on a good deal of smoke was apparent rising from one part of the building but no flames were to be perceived and the servant riding up to edgar's side said in a glad tone they have got it under sir it is very different now from what it was when i came away his master paused not to listen however but spurred on towards the terrace where a number of people were to be seen moving about confusedly hither and thither amongst whom one group might be distinguished bearing out something that looked like a mattress towards the court and stable-yard edgar thought of his father and that chilly feeling came over his heart which is said to be sometimes premonitory of approaching sorrow when he came nearer he perceived dudley and eda following those who had gone on into the court and he called loudly to them for they had not remarked his approach 
Dudley instantly turned, said a word or two to Eda, and then hurried forward to meet her cousin. "'The fire is extinguished, Edgar,' he said in a grave tone as they met. "'It is only the second floor and part of the first that are destroyed. Come with me and you shall see.' "'Is everyone safe?' demanded Edgar, gazing in Dudley's face, and before the other could answer, he added, "'My father! Where is my father?' His friend did not answer him at once, and he was darting away towards the courtyard when Dudley laid his hand upon his arm, saying, "'Do not go thither now, Edgar. Come apart with me, and I will tell you all.' "'I must! I will go at once!' exclaimed Edgar Adelon, passing him, and with a rapid step he hurried on across the terrace, round the angle of the house, and towards the great gates of the courtyard. On the right was a large building, used as a billiard-room, and under shelter of the ornamental porch Edgar saw Eda, with fair face bedewed with tears. She instantly came forward to meet him, saying, "'Wait a few moments, Edgar. Do not go in there now, my dear cousin.' But Edgar passed her too, with a sad look, saying, "'It must come once, Eda. Why not now?' When he entered the room he found five or six men laying a mattress with some bedclothes that covered it upon the billiard-table and pushing through them he beheld his father stretched out cold and stiff but with no mark of fire or injury whatsoever upon him and a calm and placid look upon his countenance the young man gazed upon his parents face for several moments with a look of sad stern thought while the servants and labourers who were present drew back as soon as they perceived who it was that interrupted them in their melancholy task as he gazed many memories crowded on him paternal tenderness and affection innumerable sweet domestic scenes words spoken long ago kindly looks and tones of love and with that sad feeling which ever takes possession of the bosom when with any of the near and dear the silver chain is broken the tears rose up into edgar adelon's eyes and fell upon the dead man's hand he wished not to be seen to weep and turning away without a word he gave one hand to eda and the other to dudley who had been standing close behind him, and with them left the chamber of the dead. End of chapter 44